episode number 237 with Chase Jarvis. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Just a quick little reminder that if you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. So make sure you check it out today. Chase Jarvis is an award-winning artist, entrepreneur, and one of the most influential photographers of the past decade. He has created campaigns for Apple, Nike, Red Bull, and many more. He has had gallery shows in the US, Europe, and the Middle East. He was a contributor to the Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times story Snowfall and earned an Emmy nomination for his documentary Portrait of a City. He also created Best Camera, the first photo app to share images to social networks and is the founder of Creative Live, where more than 10 million students learn photography, video, design, music, and business from the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. He has been a keynote speaker on six continents, an advisor to Fortune 100 brands, and a guest at the Obama White House, the United Nations, the Library of Congress, 10 Downing Street, Buckingham Palace, and the DIFC in Dubai. And in today's episode, we chat about his story from being told he was not creative in grade two to where he is today, which is one of the most creative human beings I've ever spoken to. We also chat about why everyone is creative and what is creativity, why creativity is essential for achieving true wellness how not expressing your creativity is doing you harm, why our words are so powerful, where to begin with expressing yourself creatively. Now, if you're someone who worries that they're not creative, this part is definitely a must listen for you. We also chat about the key to unlocking your inner creativity, how he expresses himself creatively, plus so much more. And for everything that Chase and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 237. But before we dive into this epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Mrs. Rebecca Smith, and it's a five-star review titled Just Amazing. And Rebecca says, I love, love, love tuning into Melissa's podcast. All the different guests with their real, honest sharing is authentic. I always feel like I have so many takeaways or aha moments. And I'm so grateful I discovered and subscribed to Melissa's show last year. 
love back. Thank you so much, Beck. I'm really grateful for your honest five-star review. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and you leave me that review right now. I would be so grateful. And it just means that we can get even more epic humans on the show. So please, if you haven't left a review yet, please do that right now. I would be so grateful. And now, without further ado, let's get our creativity on and let's bring on the incredibly creative Chase Jarvis. Chase, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, I would love to. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a passionate breakfast eater. This morning, my smoothie was made with banana ice cubes, athletic greens, cucumber, almond butter, protein powder, and a supplement. Gosh, I'm spa- Oh, it's called Hannah Living, and it's uh, a bunch of nutrients and and manuka honey. Blend it all up. And voila, it's delicious. Yum. Smoothies are the best. They're so <laughs> good. Now, like I said, I'm so excited to have you here. But for those that might not have heard much about you, can you tell us your story and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do? Like, how did this all unfold for you? Mm. Let's see. That's a question that's going to make me cover 40, 40, 40 something years. Now, I, I think I had a, a very traditional experience as a young person growing up. I was, a, I was an only child born and raised in, in Seattle, up in the Northwest corner of the States, definitely born white and male in the 1970s in the United States. And think relatively speaking, that's a lot of privilege on, on a global scale, but also middle or lower middle class. And I remember very early on being wildly creative and, and passionate about it. I would perform magic tricks for my friends. And, you know, we were largely identity free at that point when we we're really young. I had a comic strip that I loved to draw and share with my friends. And then in second grade, I remember my my second grade teacher miss kelly telling me that i was telling my mom rather at a parent student conference that i i wasn't supposed to hear this but i overheard her say that i was so much better at sports than i was at art and this is shortly after just making a film with my friends where we washed cars in order to save up enough money to buy film and we borrowed a super 8 camera and you know we were basically kids following little dreams and imitating what we'd seen our parents and on cartoons and television and film. And, and I thought it was everything. I thought it was incredible. And we actually made money on this film. We screened it in the neighborhood. And so like the, this childhood experience came, you know, it took like a 90 degree turn in second grade when my, my teacher, I overheard her tell my mom that I was more athletic than I was creative. And as young people, or as just humans in general, because we're social animals, I did what we all are trained to do or what our biology tells us to do as social animals. And that's that we should just fit in. And so I ran to the thing that the adults in my life that I respected 
guided me towards, which was away from creativity and towards something that was practical, air quotes there. And it served me really well. I, I can't say I had a horrible childhood. I flirted with my creativity every once in a while, but was was busy taking instructions from all the inputs that we have as as we grow up, our parents, our peers, our school counselors, people that we love and that love us back. And they tell us what we should do and how we should do it. And by and large, we take them at face value and we pursue those things. And those usually are around who we spend our time with and what career we should choose and what our interests are. We, we, we of course, have some free will. And I'm also baking in and acknowledging here that you know, even the, the, the relative privilege that I come from, it, it, it still didn't sit all that well with me. And it didn't create this amazing... I feel like I had a, a fine childhood. It was great. I was not, you know, I was, I was safe, which is more than a lot could say. But there's a gap between what I felt I was supposed to be doing and what I was doing. And I questioned that gap. And it was through a, a series of reasonably traumatic events, the death of some people that were close to me and some experiences of my own, where I finally realized that one of the things that was missing in my life is wasn't just creativity but it was agency over what it was that I was doing and how I was supposed to spend my time on this planet. And without going too much more into detail, I started pulling on that thread. And what I realized is that was where the best stuff in life was, that I had the answers of what I was supposed to be doing and who I was inside inside of me already. Despite the, the well-meaning people who loved me and were helping me understand what I, what I was supposed to be doing and the, all the cultures shoulds. And when I started pulling on that and turning that pulling on that thread rather and turning to my intuition, life just started happening for me rather than to me. And I don't want to gold plate it because there was plenty of ups and downs. I went, you know, a hundred thousand dollars into student debt. I lost a lot of friends. I had to disappoint the people that I was closest to and, and started pursuing things that were meaningful to me. And this was in career and in hobby and it, and this universe that unfolded before me was something that was so, it felt magical, really. And when we're taught that, that well, I guess we're, we're, we're mostly guided to the fact that we're corks in the tide and you can control so many things and there's a lot you can't, I totally get that. I understand it. But I started realizing that I was betraying that eight-year-old that Miss Kelly had told they weren't creative. And so I pulled on that thread of creativity and I realized that these things get couched in, in popular culture in, in self-help or performance or, you know, peak performance or all these other different genres of, of how to guide your life. But what became clear to me was basically three things. One, that every single person is creative. We have this creativity innate inside of us. And you can, you can understand that by asking any first grade class who wants to come into the front of the room and draw me a picture. Every single hand goes up. So if you can acknowledge that we're all creative, and then if you can realize, as I did, you know, not until my 20s, that this creative power that we have, it's a muscle. It's a habit, not a skill. It's a, it's a process and a practice, not a product. When you start realizing that, and you can, something you can actually get good at and get comfortable at, if, the, if you accept those two things, and, and then the third one followed for me, which is like, wait a minute, when I turned to 
that voice inside myself that, that wanted me to be taking photos and building businesses and doing things that made my heart sing rather than what society or culture had prescribed for me that, oh my goodness, like life becomes not just easy, but it's the same muscles that I use to do those small daily things that I use to create the life that I want for myself. It's just creativity at a different scale. So I started paying attention to creativity. And again, I don't want to pretend it's all gold-plated, you know, yellow brick road, but let's just say life dramatically changed for me. And I went on to have, you know, get to do some stuff that I never dreamed of with my, with my career and, and having an impact on the lives of others who are trying to provide or trying to pursue their meaning in life. And, you know, built a couple of businesses and, and here I am having just written a book, uh, that's looking backwards and connecting all those dots. More practically speaking, I was a photographer for a huge piece of my life after dropping out of medical school, bailing on a career in professional sports and bailing on a PhD in philosophy, being hundreds of thousands in debt to, to find my way in the world and created an online learning platform that's now used by tens of millions of people. It's called Creative Live. And, and now this recently, just this, this book that, um, I'm capturing these ideas and the ideas of some of my friends who are the world's top performers in, in these areas. And I think, I think, I think I might be onto something. If not, I just wasted three years of my life, but we'll, we'll find out soon. But there you go. That's 40 years and four and a half minutes. <laughs> I <laughs> love in your book, Creative Calling, which is the title of your book. It's about living a better life through creativity. And you say in the book, by expressing yourself regularly in small ways, you will discover the agency and drive necessary to create the life of your dreams. So how is that so? And what would you say to the people that are listening that are like, no, no, Chase, you said everyone is creative. No, I don't have a creative bone in my body. No, I don't. So <laughs> can you I'll talk un- to yeah, that? Sure, I can unpack both of us. We'll start off with the people who, who don't think that they're creative. You've already created a hundred things today, maybe a thousand. If you've taken a picture in the last 48 hours, even if it's to remember where you were parked or a picture of a receipt, you're creating something. You're putting two things together that used to not be together. You made a meal this morning. We talked before uh, at, the, at the front of the show about what I had for breakfast. That's a creative act. And when we've been culturally programmed to think that creativity equals art, and then there are people who are good at art and there are people who are not good at art or good at painting, or we've given creativity a misidentity when creativity is really this foundational power that we have as humans. And it underpins everything we do. It's what differentiates us from all the other species on the planet. So you start to put your arms around a bigger vision for creativity. And then it starts to make sense to you. Like, wait a minute. Okay, sure, I'm creative, but that's not really what... No, 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 no. That's that's creativity. Now, when you realize that you have that nugget, even though it's been, you know, you've been programmed to think otherwise, you start paying attention to that. You start to realize that, wait a minute, all these little acts, making my family dinner, even creating a family, choosing what you, you know, which route you, you, what path you took to work. Like these are all opportunities to express yourself and to connect with yourself and the world around you. Like when you can start to think of creativity in that sense, the capital C, 
I don't know anyone who's refuted that. So, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I can, I can buy into that. And once you've bought into that, you can realize that these muscles, these are muscles of agency and of personal power. And I can direct my attention and my effort toward anything. And if I can do that, well, then maybe I can strum up the courage to change careers, to connect with my spouse, partner, business partner in a new way and, and go on a different adventure and start writing my own script rather than accepting the script that's been written for me by everybody else. I'll give you an example of my mom. So my mom, she's very analytically minded and I was told her whole life that she wasn't creative or, or I'd say rather believed that she wasn't creative. And that was fine. Like, you know, creativity, and especially in the era that she grew up and even largely today, it's sort of seen as whimsical and maybe even naive to pursue it because what, what good is it? We need practical, you know, we need to be able to do real skills. But she started pursuing it as a 65-year-old. I gave her a camera. I gave her an iPhone and an app that I had developed. And in a matter of weeks, not months, not days, but weeks, she's, I watched her transform. I watched her be, take pictures on her walk every day. This is not like she had to go buy a whole bunch of paints or start a business. She didn't have to move to Paris and wear a beret. None of these clip, you know, classic trappings and the BS that were sold about creativity. She just started taking pictures on her walk every day and posting those and sharing them. And she went from A, not thinking she was creative and B, her friends not really being aware of this innate creativity in her to being like the most creative of all her friends. And I watched it. It changed how she prepared food. It changed how she thought about her, her dress. It changed how, what vacations and what travels she wanted to go on. It was so powerful that I started really looking at it. And lo and behold, the same is true for me. And the same is true for a lot of the world's top performers that I, you know, I call my, my friends, the, the, the people that inspire me, the Richard Branson's and Brene Brown's people that have been on, on my podcast or, or on Creative Live. And, and so if you're sitting at home right now listening to this and you're like, wait a minute, he might be onto something. I'm not saying that you have to transform your life. You don't have to trade in anything. It's not a choice between your mortgage or pursuing a creative hobby. It's really an awareness. Once you start to become aware and you put that awareness to use, just creating small things on a daily basis or being aware of the things you're already doing as creative acts, I think it's, it's, you're about to experience something powerful if you truly can pay attention to it. Because on the other side of seeing yourself as a creative person, the world opens up in a way that you haven't experienced yet. Mm, I love that. And I love that you say, you know, creativity is making a smoothie in the morning. I think this is where a lot of people fall short. They think that because they're not a painter or a sculptor or a musician, that they don't have this creativity within them. So basically, what is creativity then? Like, is it just anything that yeah, what is your definition? What's sure. your definition of creativity? It's it's putting two or more new things together in ways that you didn't otherwise before then think of that have some usefulness. So putting bananas and ice together, <laughs> putting it in a blender, you're creating that smoothie. And if every time you do something just a little bit different, that's a small creative act. And essentially there's intention behind it. Like you know, you can do it mindlessly, but if you decide to pay attention, then it's automatically 
it has this, if you can change the outcome by putting two bananas instead of one or taking 10 pictures of your nephew instead of zero, then you're actually putting something new or you're creating something that didn't exist. It's very, very simple. And I think that's part of, as you said, the definition, you know, people stumble over it. And I'm not trying to like rewrite pop culture here, but I am trying to help people understand that that the same muscles that you use to take a picture of your nephew or the same ones that you decide to make a meal or build a family or build a business or write code or sew, those are the same exact muscles that you use to make decisions and to create opportunity for yourself in life. It's just creativity at a different scale. And so why then wouldn't you lean into that? Why wouldn't you work to strengthen those muscles? When, especially when you find out that's, that using those muscles every day can create a huge amount of connection, meaning in your life, and joy in just the little small things. So again, this has been couched in all kinds of different things across time, like you know, peak performance and uh, self-help and all this, but it's really fundamentally just creativity. And the cool thing is that we have never been taught this. Maybe it's both cool and distressing cool because it's it provides a new lens on what's possible for ourselves and distressing in that wait a minute and what if i was told that i had agency over my life when i was in second grade and I, I could have been you know still pursuing all those things that brought me joy rather than deciding i needed to do only math and play sports because that's what was socially acceptable for me so i think you know i, I don't want to make too many macro cultural overtures like it is what it is, but at the end of the day, if you can acknowledge that this creativity is this fundamental power and you can start to make it work for you, my experience personally, and having you know interviewed hundreds of people in my podcast, you know, again, the world's top performers and and seeing this pattern that everybody, all the success comes from everyone realizing that there is a system. I've sort of built a system around that in the book. It's I, I liken it to the acronym IDEA. I-D-E-A, and everyone's imagined something new and powerful. The, the people you look up to, the people that inspire you or you respect, those lives that they're leading, they were crafted, they were built, they were created. And it started with imagining what was possible, even in the face of doubters and people saying that, oh no, if you're born here, you're born into this situation, then this is your life. People start off imagining what's possible. Then they designed a system to get there, either that's, you know, it's in the same way you design a if you physical fitness is important, then you designed a workout regimen, or if eating well is important, you designed a you know what you're going to put into your body. The same thing is true for anything out in the world. They were designed. You designed a framework, then you executed that plan, and then the piece that most people miss that I feel like I've I've connected is the amplification and community and human connection is a huge part of it, and that is if you do all these things alone in your basement. What have you got? You've got not much. And this doesn't mean you're an introvert or an extrovert. This is, we're all social animals. We want to, you know, connect and fit in. And, and ultimately this is about sharing these ideas, this vision you have for yourself or for the world. You're creating a community. You're either joining a community rather that already exists in the world. If you're a needlepoint person, you want to do that. Or if you're a coder and you want to join, you know, have an online community of other people doing what you're doing, that's just, human connection and whether you join communities or build one around your work your mission and vision for yourself everyone who's done the things that they want to do in life 
they've sort of followed this pattern. So I just managed to deconstruct this pattern, apply it to like as a filter, like, wait a minute, you mean Richard Branson starting Virgin America or Virgin Atlantic? Oh, okay, that's cool. That's how he thought about it. And when you talk to these people, this is, it's, it's, it becomes really, really clear that this is a foundational fundamental principle that we're not really, really taught. A, that creativity is inside of every person and it's possible to guide our lives. And B, that the results are there. It's not mysterious. It's a replicable system that if you just, you know, follow, basically follow the pattern, then you're going to have more access to the things you want and you'll be more aware of what you don't. Mm. And you say creativity is as essential to health and well-being as exercise and nutrition and mindfulness and meditation. And I agree with you because I know for me, when I suppress my creativity, there's like this burning desire within me and I don't feel like I'm fully expressing myself. So why is that? Like, why is it as essential to our health and well-being as exercise and nutrition and mindfulness? Mm. Well, I think it's it's so fundamental. It's almost so fundamental that we haven't acknowledged it as a culture. We've we've likened creativity, you know, as we said earlier, or I said earlier, we've likened it to to art. And of course, art is a subset of creativity. But when you think about it in that expanded definition that I was offering earlier, that okay, th- this starts to make sense to me. And in the same way that when we tap into that part of ourselves, we we get this joy and abundance. And, you know, again, that's that same result of asking that first grade class, like who wants to come to the front of the room and, and draw me a picture? Every hand goes up. That's just this innate joy and exploration and creativity. If you believe that and you've seen it with your own eyes, then the opposite is also true right? Ignoring that creativity is toxic. Brene Brown, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, incredible author, shame, a researcher on shame and vulnerability, one of the top five TED Talks of all time. She's a dear friend. And and she said this about creativity. She said, there's no such thing as creative people and non-creative people. There's just people who use their creativity and people who don't. And Mm -hmm. not using it doesn't go without penalty. As it turns out, unused creativity isn't benign, it's dangerous. And and here's, here's, I think, an interesting way of looking at all of our lives. I'm trying to put a book out there that it's not the perfect thing, right? Life is not perfect. Nothing happens in a straight line. And I hate books that say, oh, you want to build a business? All you have to do is A, B, C, and D. And then it's it's off to the races. Because that's not what business is and that's not what life is, right? Life is crooked and messy and upside down and we're all, you know, this massive imperfect action. And so when I think about my own experience, everything looked good on paper from the outside. You know, I was doing the things that everybody wanted me to do and I was going to college and I was on a soccer scholarship and I was going to go on to graduate school. And and you know what? I was miserable inside. And it was because I wasn't doing the thing that I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't creating the life that I wanted. I was subjecting myself to the programming. And this is not in a overtly aware way. There's just this sort of uneasiness. And I think a lot of people, maybe who are listening, are like, wait a minute. I do have this calling inside of me. And there is a gap between the life that I'm living and the one that I aspire to. And when you start to realize that that, that is this sort of 
dangerous, unused creativity sort of festering in us. And if we start to flip the script and take action against those things that we see for ourselves, what happens? We automatically have this sort of sense of agency and energy. And I mean, we all have this, right? You can look backwards at times in your life, or maybe if you're one of the lucky few, you're, you can experience this right now. Like I'm doing it right right now. I'm tuned into my, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing on this planet. And that's a powerful thing. But for most of us, you can look backwards and there was times where, oh man, when I did that and, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that thing was that brought me joy. It put me around the people I wanted to be around. It was in the mindset. Why, why did you depart? Why did you leave that again? The next answer that society gives us is, oh, it was time to get practical. And I'm just, I'm just not quite so sure what this, all this practicality is about. Like, what are you supposed to be doing? Studying the stock market or, or if you're not supposed to be pursuing your dreams and like creating impact and the living in the life that you love, why are, why are you here? Mm. Oh, totally. What do you think the consequences are or what's the price that we pay if we suppress this creativity? Mm. I think I'm going to maybe say this in the negative. I'm choosing creativity is ultimately it's refusing to betray yourself. Mm. So again, if you flip that to the positive, it's your, by pursuing these things in your life, you're refusing to betray yourself. And like, you know, you can, there's all kinds of data and research that says, you know, research on, on death and dying. And that's the number one regret of people on their deathbed mm. is number one, not like number five or 10 or 26. Number one is that like you're, they lived the life that other people wanted for them rather than their own. Mm. And that is, that is a pretty heavy price to pay. Mm. And if that's the number one reason, and then you just, of course, it doesn't take long to just peel the layers of the onion back. And, and how many people do you know that are, that are truly tapped into themselves or their, their calling in life, their creative calling? How many people? And the reality is too few. And I think that's what this book's trying to do. It's trying to light a, you know, again, I had the most imperfect journey. I made all the mistakes and it wasn't until, you know, way late in my life that I recognized this and managed to grab onto the thread. And I lose the thread occasionally, right? I still have to fight for that, that eight-year-old who made that film before Miss mm-hmm. Kelly got me, you know, and we all have to. And, but the shoulds and the oughts, they never go away. They change as we, as we get older. Mm. But it's something we have to fight for, our autonomy and the opportunity that we have in this, with a one, this one trip that we get. You know? And to me, that's, that's a reason enough to write the book and certainly reason enough to pay attention to this. Yes. Absolutely. Bloody Miss Kelly. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This I just wanted to say this as well. Like what your school teachers say to you, whether it's primary school or high school, we don't forget it. And mm-hmm. it is so powerful. Those little things that they say, and they might just be passing comments. But if you are listening to this and you are a school teacher, like, please be really mindful of your dialogue because yeah, there's some things that I carried around for years that people had said to me about, yeah, you're not creative or 
you're you're not a you're not a sporty type. Like I was a dancer, so it's like, oh, you're not a sporty type. But in actual fact, I was I was I loved sport. I loved it, but I had this, oh well, I'm a dancer, so I don't play sport. You know, just things like that. And I'm like that's just ridiculous. So I think it's really important that we be mindful of our words, not only to yeah. others, but to ourselves as well. Because then what we tell ourselves is just so important. Yeah. Words matter. Oh, yeah. Words matter, right? We And, and there's, uh, there's a huge piece in the book, not in a heavy way, but in a really, I think, accessible way that mindset is so powerful. It really is. If, like, if you're, you're the, you are what you think. And if, if you are letting other people write that script of the dialogue that you're saying to yourself rather than learning to write it again, we're going against our biology, right? Our biology is meant to keep us alive, not happy. So it's telling you that, you know, we used to have to fear saber tooth tigers. And now like the thought of hitting send on that, that email of telling someone how you feel or hitting, hitting post on that Instagram post. We mistake that for the cyber, saber tooth tiger. Our biology does, mm. but that's just fiction, right? We've got this biological system of trying to keep us safe rather than happy. And ultimately sort of human connection and happiness comes from taking risks. That's where the best stuff is on the other side of fear. So, you know, folks at home for who are listening to this, that this might be resonating. It's like, don't beat yourself up over it, but it's time to start taking action. And the way you take action, believe it or not, is just by awareness of your own agency and creativity and starting to create in small daily ways. It becomes a huge unlock. Yes. So for someone listening who's like, okay, we're all creative and I'm keen to start. I understand that it's an important piece of me being here on this earth. Where do I start? Like literally, where do I begin? Mm -hmm. I think the best way to forge a path forward is to start by looking backwards because we've all had these moments, creative moments in our past that were fun. And it was, again, whether it was the lemonade stand <laughs> or, or, you know, writing that, that, uh, game that you wrote with some friends on, on, you know, the old Apple, Apple 2E computer when you were, you know, 14 years old or whatever. Like I end up finding that if we follow our curiosity and the things that brought us joy at some point in life, that that's a, a great place to start. What I find is most people, they, they have some creative outlet, but they've just really not acknowledged it as that, or they had a, you know, they played the guitar in high school and now it's sitting in the closet. And, and I don't want to make assumptions about the audience. Maybe there are people who are, who, you know, are even professional creators or kitchen counter entrepreneurs or they're, you know, they're building businesses. It's great. It's just leaning into those things, those simple things. And by following your curiosity and looking at your past and the things that brought you joy and starting to do them in ways that are lightweight. Again, this is not about moving to Paris and changing your friends and smoking cigarettes and wearing Zabaret. This is, it has nothing to do with that. It's just like doing the things that feel good. And thinking, being aware of your creativity. And it can be as simple as, all right, what's the twist that I'm going to put on this meal? I'm going to play the guitar for 10 minutes a day. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes early and write in a journal every day for seven days. And what am I going to write? I don't know. I'm just going to, you know, write my thoughts or I'm going to pursue. There's all kinds of 
opportunities out there online to, you know, do morning pages or there are journals that can guide you, you know, writing 500 words every day before you go to work or by and large people I think are aware of what makes their heart sing. What can you do to just touch that thing every day? And it often doesn't require extra time, right? This is not about going to, going to the art supply store and buying a bunch of shit that you're not going to use in two weeks. This is, that's not what this is about. If you were, you loved painting as a kid, then maybe it is that, but it's also probably just taking pictures on your walk. You know, when you're walking the kids to school or in the walk on the, on the way home from walking the kids to school, or it's picking up the guitar for 20 minutes at night and realizing that, ah, there's still something in there. What is that? And when it starts to wake up inside you, you feel it. And that feeling is a good feeling. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. So important. So what have you done today to express your creativity? Mm. Oh, it's, it's a great question. I, I started with writing really early. And in a weird way, I, I'll confess, my background for people who don't know is, um, I guess my work is most well known as a photographer and an entrepreneur, not necessarily as an author. I've done a couple of photo books that did well, but uh, this is in a completely different kind of book. And I didn't choose the the, the medium for this message. It needed to be a book and I was aware of it and I was frustrated by it. My, my literary agent was like, you know, you got to get this thing out of you. And, and I pushed it off for a couple of years and I finally was like, ah, okay, great. So since it's not my first medium, I, it took a lot of extra work and it was pretty crazy to be writing a book about creativity and to have to take my own medicine <laughs> partway through when I would get stuck or blocked or whatever, I would just like, Oh, where's that section I already wrote, you know, whatever, three weeks ago on when, when, you know, your creativity is not flowing, what do you do? So I would do that on a regular basis. And it just so happened that now writing actually, you know, whatever, two years into the book process here and writing feels good. So I wrote this morning. First thing I did after I got up, I actually got up and I did a, a hot, hot plunge and a cold plunge. I have a, a a cold water plunge at my house here in Seattle. And then I sat down and I wrote for uh, maybe about 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And again, I, I, I was, my head was full of gunk when I sat down and it doesn't always take 30 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes this morning. It was, it just sort of worked. And then I, I went about my day with a completely different headspace and having felt like I made something. So that was one way that I did it. I mentioned the smoothie that I made this morning. I made a bunch of choices to make a great smoothie. I took a few pictures at lunch. There's um, there's some really interesting architecture happening in Seattle right now. And uh, I was walking to a meeting and snapped a couple pictures of some buildings. And here I am, <laughs> I guess, a couple hours later. So there's probably a bunch of little stuff in, in between there. But you know, I guess, again, that's, I'm, I'm, if you can set aside time and space for a regular practice, that's great. But at first, just get started. Just play around. Mm. And there are people who are advanced. You know, you can you can you can have you know higher aspirations to you know to publish that novel or to you know perform that violin concerto or what, whatever it might be. So I don't want to be just talking to one one group of listeners here, but it's it's everywhere if you just attune to it. Totally. And when you put it like that, it's almost like a fun little game to play with yourself. It's like, well, how can I make doing the dishes more creative? And 
you know, maybe I put a song on and in between I do some twirls, you know, going back to the dish. Like it's almost like this fun little game that you can play with yourself every day. Where can you inject more creativity into everything you do? How can you bring some creativity to folding the clothes, to hanging out the clothes, to cleaning the house, you know, just so many opportunities. And I think for me, this has really inspired me to think like that from now on because, yeah, society has put this box of what creativity looks like, but you're so right. It can be anything. It can be how you make your green smoothie in the morning. So I love that. And thank you for like, yeah, shining some light on that and shifting <laughs> our perspective on that. It's it's awesome. Thank you. It, and I, I think that's part of what, at least I look at my job as an artist to do that, to slow down enough to realize that this is happening and, you know, deconstruct some of these mysteries around building the life that we want. I've, you know, I've spent a lot of my time around many of the world's top performers at Creative Live. And I've already mentioned a handful of, of you know, people that I've had on my show or that have inspired me or that I'm, I'm close with. And you like you start to look at that really carefully and you recognize these patterns and, you know, like make no mistake, what we're doing right now, this interaction is creative, right? We're, we're sort of playing with words and, and trying to express ourselves and whether it's an omelet with chives, photos of the sunset, you, you know, we, our engaging creativity. And then on the flip side, when we deny our creativity, like it's life lacks a certain richness. And this is, it's very easy to, to me. I, I think there may be somebody who's listening right now. like, okay, I buy this, but yeah, but like, what is it all for? Mm. And it's very important to go back to one of those early principles. And this is, you know, what helped me write this book is remember all this small like creativity with a small C. It, it helps you remind, it reminds you on a daily basis that this creativity is a habit. This is a muscle. And when you start to develop this muscle, every person that you've ever admired, their life, whatever part of it that you admire was created. It didn't just happen. It happened through effort and application of effort and intention. And it's the same muscles. That's the part that I think is the big aha. It's like, I'm not saying you know, find your heart because I know you have a heart. I just want you to acknowledge it and unleash it. And the same is true with your creativity. I'm not trying, I'm not saying like, see if you have some creativity. No, no, no. I know you have it. It's about discovering it, rediscovering it and, and mastering your ability to unleash it. And it's joyful. It's, you know, there's, there's so much to it. I think it's just a, it, it makes life, you know, that's the subhead of the book, right? It's like establish a daily practice, infuse your world with meaning. And it just so happens if you do that, then you succeed in work and life. Mm, Yes, I love it. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Blue Blocks, the only blue light glasses backed by science. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love my blue blocking glasses and I wear them every day because they help alleviate digital eye strain keep your hormones balanced, and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. They are made in Australia, which means they are very high quality, and all their glasses come in readers, prescription, and non-prescription. And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, 
who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code Melissa at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. What are you working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Oh, perpetual work happening on giving myself permission to suck. Mm. I think that's part of what deters so many of us from making, especially at an early age when we're, you know, oh my gosh, you know, Johnny is such a, so good at art. He's such a good drawer and I'm not, therefore fill in the blank. Or, Mm. oh, she has such a beautiful voice. I could never sound like that. And, you know, just like, let's take walking, for example. Like what, if you're able-bodied and your kids, if you have a child and the child's able-bodied and it falls down when it's trying to walk, not the 10th time or the 60th time, but the 600th time, right? How many times does a child stumble when the child is learning to walk? It seems like an infinity number, right? It's just massive. And at not one time do we say as a parent to our able-bodied child, you just must not be a walker. Okay, we're going to carry you everywhere we go. Oh, you may as well give up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And not to be cliche or trite, but the same thing is true with like, with basically whatever we want to to put our mind to with our own creativity. And so for me, it's just just continuing to remember that judgment isn't helpful. There are times where judgment is helpful and in moments where you're, you know, refining something or you are a master or you're trying to create a certain set of outcomes. But generally the joy of of creating is just giving yourself permission to suck permission to be like to sing horribly at karaoke and and so that's something i'm always trying to you know i i was raised with a set of standards and i've tried to apply those standards to everything and i just realized that that doesn't always turn out very and it usually doesn't turn out very good so it's a little bit about for me about letting go of not a little bit i'm going to rephrase that it's a lot about letting go of judgment and Mm. once you've mastered something i've mastered photography i spent you know, a huge 20 something years in my life and shot ad campaigns for the world's biggest brands and had 10x the career I ever thought was possible. And you know what? Like when you've tasted it, it feels like you want to apply it to other things. And it's actually just so helpful to just eat a piece of humble pie. Give yourself, in the book, I talk a lot about this permission to suck. And, um, you know, how can you re- master that self-talk again if we're the if we are the quality of our thoughts i want to make sure that i'm giving myself you know the right inputs and and being kind to myself so that you know i can get up and face face the rest of my life in a with with energy and vitality rather than beat myself up so that's what i'm personally working on it's it's been a lifelong journey and it's not i'm not where i want to be yet but and the list is long. I can keep going if you want. It's like, what else am I working on? <laughs> now, but I think that's the gist of your, your question, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Two years ago, uh, my husband and I started ballroom dance classes together. No, he's not a dancer. I've never danced before. And it was really beautiful to be beginners. Even though I have a dance background, I'd never done ballroom in Latin. So it was really beautiful to be beginners together mm-hmm. at something and to give ourselves permission to 
suck. And (laughs) you know what? We had no expectations. So it was so much fun because we weren't going in it to prove anything to anyone else or to ourselves. We literally did it because we just wanted to do it, you know, something Mm -hmm. together and we'd always wanted to do it. And so it was, I love that you say that, you know, give yourself permission to suck. Like who cares? Who cares what you look like? Just, just do it. And the feeling that you get when you are in that flow state, whether it's dancing or creating or whatever, is so beautiful. We've just got to master what I call the inner mean girl, or for you, the inner bad boy, the one that says, oh my God, you're so crap at this. Or who do you think you are? Like trying to do some pottery. Like another thing I wanted to do recently was I wanted to learn how to do pottery. And I remember doing in this pottery class, I was like, you are so crap at this. That's what my inner (laughs) critic said. You are so, look at that girl's. That girl's is so (laughs) much nicer than yours. And, And then I was like, but are you having fun? And I was having such a good time. And then anyway, they send off the pottery and they glaze it and they do all of that and they send it back to you. And I got mine back and I was like, this is so beautiful. And I was so proud. And my husband's like, did you actually do that? And I was like, yeah, I did that. (laughs) And it was just so beautiful. So, you know, just give yourself that permission to suck and you know, master that inner voice, the inner critic that's saying you can't do it and just do it anyway, because you're going to have so much fun in the process. And, and you know what? It's fun to watch people who can, who can actually do that, who can live in that moment and be joyful. Isn't it like that's sexy to watch someone in the best way? Like this person is living judgment free. There's this, there's a sense of freedom that when you watch someone doing something that they love, even if they're not great at it, they're getting joy from it. That just, it creates a certain connection and inspiration, at least it does for me. And what I find is when I talk to those people about that process, they feel, you know, joyful at just doing whatever, whether they're great or not great. It's, of course, it's fun to watch mastery in action. But two things happen when you, when you break down or deconstruct what that experience is for, for those people, or, or we've all had these moments for ourselves, whether it was you with dancing or, or otherwise. When you do these things, A, it feels natural. It starts to feel fun and joyful, especially if you think of it as a muscle. When you know you started ballroom dancing and then you started, you know, experimenting with ceramics. And a second thing happens. People start to show up for you. People they can you can smell the joy on someone. You can smell when someone's having a good time or being, you know, are it's inspiring. And to me, that's a really useful thing to cultivate the kind of life that I want to live and the kind of people that I want to spend my time with, right? Mm, Totally. Oh, so good. You're inspiring me so much to just unleash that creativity so much more. (laughs) Ah, great. I'd love to know now if you could put one book in the school Mm. curriculum of every single high school around the world now, besides your book, so let's pretend <laughs> that that's in the curriculum because it needs to be for sure. What is one other book that you would choose? Oof, that is not an easy question. You're not afraid to throw down. Okay, let's see. <laughs> one book. I think it would have to be something about kindness. I'm trying to think of a couple of titles here. If you let me off the hook, 
on the title. To me, it would be, it, it is this, you know, and it might actually, I, I, I hesitate. I don't want to go religious. I, I don't want to go spiritual. I don't want to sort of turn anybody off. There's this sentiment that we are all connected. And to me, that this is such a powerful um, lever for empathy and for kindness and for connection that, you know, just think of today's world, right? We are theoretically more connected than ever before. And I'm a huge advocate of the internet and its ability to connect people. And it unlocks so much for us. But yet we're also more isolated than ever before. And, mm. you know, again, we're, 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 our, our uh, species that we're social animals. Like if you do not hold an infant child, it dies. Mm. That is, that is, you know, that is science. That is fact. That is not just this sort of something that might happen some of the time. No, we actually require it, our, our, our human connection. So to me, it, that is a thing that we're not taught. We're not taught empathy and connection Maybe in some in some cultures, but I know you know not in the dominant Western cultures, or at least to me. So I, I hesitate. I'm going to punt on the title, but it would be something that helped us cultivate this really, really fundamental requirement of human connection. That if we don't program for it, we lose, and we lose something really important. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. That's a tough question. I'm going to, I always, when I get smoked or stumped, I need to go away and think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's a good it question. It is. Oof, jeez. I know. I'm, I, every guest I've had on this show, I want to make a library of every, because I always ask that same question. And I have interviewed some of the most epic humans on this earth. And I'm like, I want to create a library that anyone can just come and loan books from the library of recommendations from this show. So yeah, there's some amazing books in there. Yeah. And I agree. What would you, do you have a, do you have one that you, what's your go-to? <laughs> well, I always say besides my two books, they are a given, they should be in the curriculum. But I think one of the most powerful books for me that really shifted a lot for me was Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, who I've uh -huh. had on my show. That really shifted a lot for me. And also Louise Hayes' You Can Heal Your Life was the first personal development book I read on my journey when I was 24. So that book has a special place in my heart and and same with Conversations with God. But I mean, I've read so many great books too. It's it's a tough question. <laughs> it is. And that's, I'm sure, why you you get a lot of joy in asking it. Um, yes. And I, I, I really appreciate it. It's a powerful question. I'm taking notes. I should be able to just like zing that one right off the tip of my tongue. All right. I'd love to hear now how your day looks. I love hearing about people's morning routine and their workflow. So can you talk us through a quote unquote standard day in your life? I know two days are never the same, but talk us through like how you prime yourself for the day and how you set yourself up for a successful day and then how your day unfolds. I love the question in part because it, it's a learned behavior to take it seriously that if you wake up and 
you are you willingly throw yourself in the backseat of the car of life, then it just there's this beautiful thing which is both sort of intending and setting an intention, doing things that matter to you, and then that app, that allows you to sort of surrender a little bit to the universe. And it's that combination to me, it's this lovely balance. And so the, the thing that I do to try and put myself in a position to let life happen for me is I take a bunch of specific actions in the morning and they are all around self-care, right? Remember Elizabeth Gilbert, author of Eat, Pray, Love. My number one job, she says, is mental health, taking care of myself. My number two job is to be a writer. And so I take that same philosophy. I way over index on trying to get enough sleep. I think I was a sleep warrior for a long time. I somehow thought that, and, and you know, maybe for some it is genetic and I always was doing things I loved and it gave me a lot of energy, but I went on way too little sleep for way too long. And, and so, you know, I guess the first thing is my morning routine has to do with coming out of what I hope was a really great sleep. And I'm not a good natural sleeper. I haven't been my whole life. So I've had to work really hard at that. Um, and first thing I do is I do not, or actually the first thing I do not do is look at my phone. I do everything I can to postpone that as long as possible. And instead I replace that with things that are, you know, very much oriented around self-care. So I, I'm a transcendental meditation person. I've been doing that for, gosh, more than five, maybe less than 10 years now. And I don't, I advocate for some sort of mindfulness practice, whether it's meditation, mindfulness, prayer, anything, something that will create a stillness in your life. That usually, uh, that's a 12 to 20 minute practice for me in the morning. I still haven't looked at my phone yet. I get in, I have a, a hot plunge and a cold plunge at my house. So I step, step into 106 degree. That's not centigrade. That's Fahrenheit <laughs> um, water. And, and then I get in 50 degree water. And the effect that that has is, is many fold when it's good for inflammation, great for your immune system and vitality. But more than anything, it's just a practice of being uncomfortable because nobody wants to at six in the morning get in freezing cold water. But when you do that, there's this reminder that you can be uncomfortable. And so I like to do that for all those reasons. I then try and put some good food in my body, make sure I get 30 grams of protein on either sort of a low carb or a, a slow carb, rather high protein, high fat diet. And that comes in either eggs and beans or in, in a smoothie. I will occasionally, if I'm eating clean, I'm, I'm, I will have a piece of fruit in that smoothie, but generally it's proteins and fats. And that whole routine, I can do it in, let's call it 35 minutes. Often there's, you know, some sort of adjacent journaling. It's less been less lately. And then I guess I, I, I forgot a, a visualization and a gratitude practice that I tack on to the last sort of three minutes of my meditation, which is just a combination of being grateful. I, that, that was one of the most powerful changes that I've made in my life in the last 10 years is to, number one was probably meditation. Number two was a gratitude practice. And I paired that gratitude practice with visualizing what I want to see and be and do in the world. And it's helpful. So I'm pretty rigorous about this. And I don't want to hope I didn't go into too much detail, but that's protecting my morning has 
come to I've come to know that as a perhaps the most powerful way for getting the results I want out of life and, and finding joy. And and I think it's also a very common thread under the over the the hundreds of people that I've had on, on my podcast and, and on Creative Live. It's a very common thread of people like own the morning, own own your day. You're sort of programming yourself, as you said, priming. So I, I love that word, and I think about that when I'm going through these these moments in my morning. Mm, beautiful. What about you? Yeah, what's yours? Give, what's the, give me the short version of yours. Yes. Not to, I know it's your, it's your interview show, but I'm, <laughs> I'm curious if, if what's going on. Well, yeah, I uh, I wake up, and, and usually whilst I'm slipping from unconscious to conscious, I kind of say what I'm grateful for just in my mind. And mm. I ask my husband, I always say, what are three things you're grateful for? And he then asks me and I go into the bathroom. I do tongue scraping, which is an Ayurvedic detox ritual and brush my teeth and wash my face. And then I go into the kitchen and I fill up a liter of warm water with a pinch of salt and lemon. And then Mm. I take that back into wherever I'm going to meditate, whether I'm going to meditate sitting up in my bed or sometimes I do it in the other room or sometimes I do it at the couch or wherever. just depends on what my husband's doing and what room he's in. But I do grab my phone. And this is something I wanted to talk to you about was because I used to have a beautiful, I do the same meditation as you, so 20 minutes. And I Mm -hmm. used to have an hourglass. And so I would turn that over and that was exactly 20 minutes, right? But it was glass and I smashed it. So I've now been using, reverting back to using my phone as my alarm. And what happens now is it's the first thing I pick up in the morning. So I go out into the kitchen. I don't take it off airplane mode, but I go out into the kitchen when I get my water and I grab my phone and then I've touched my phone and I don't turn it on until I've done everything. But I have noticed though, it's changed the way I feel in the morning, because Mm -hmm. when I did have my hourglass, I'd uh, do my 20 minute meditation. And then I would sometimes do some journaling. Sometimes I'd just read a few pages of the book that I'm reading. I read my goals in the morning, which are just beside my bed. And then it's usually movement. So I'll put on my active wear whilst I'm listening to a podcast. And then I'm out the door, either walking or Pilates or yoga or training or whatever I'm doing. And then I'd turn my phone on. But up until that moment when I had my little hourglass, I hadn't even touched my phone. I hadn't even taken it out of the cupboard that it's in charging. And now it's like, yeah, it feels different. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to, I think you've inspired me. I'm going to get back in. I'm going to reorder a new hourglass yes. so that I don't, <laughs> and I won't smash this one. But yeah, I, I mean, I feel so different touching my phone and not touching it, even though it's Mm. still on airplane mode, it's an energy thing. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. I do. And I, I think I also want to go on record and saying like, this is what I aspire to every morning. And the reality is that thing. And I, despite being pretty militant about protecting this, that, that, you know, things happen. And every once in a while, like, Yesterday, we had a contractor at our house to work on the, you know, the hot tub that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and they knocked on the glass, you know, the the sliding glass door in the backyard while I was meditating, and so I just got out of my meditation and I never came back to it, and that got me. And I had to pick up my phone because I like the world happens. Yeah, 
I think the point that I'm trying to make is, and you know, you know, you, you broke your hourglass, so you had to use your phone for a while. Like what I find is that allows sometimes people to completely spin out and then their whole morning routine will go, go to pot. And what really needs to happen is it's not about like perfection. It's about mm. practice. Mm. That's why they call it a practice, right? It's like, you're always practicing. And, and in, even in meditation, if you have a mantra and your, your mind wanders, your job, you, Basically, meditation is the act of bringing your awareness back to either the breath or mantra or whatever you've decided to focus on. And that's all you need to do with any practice and especially a creative practice. Again, I'm not advocating that you move to Paris and, you know, buy a set of oil paints and drag them out every day. If that's what makes your heart sing, great. But it's really about do what you can with what you have and start today rather than putting it off. Mm, Absolutely. Yep. So important. All right. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? <laughs> if they're anything like the last one you asked me, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to need to sit down to take these. <laughs> okay. All right. So, in your opinion, what's one thing that we can do today for our health? Get more sleep. Yeah. Love it. What's one thing that we can do for more wealth? So, more abundance in all areas of our life. A small daily creative practice, because when you do that in small daily ways, you realize that you can create whatever life you want, which is any sort of unlimited wealth. There's unlimited potential there, but it starts with the daily practice. Yes. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? We are social animals. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, connecting with other people is as a requirement see my earlier point and so i would lean into advocating for building either joining communities that exist already or building a community around an area of your life that's meaningful to you or around a set of people or beliefs because at the end of the day like we are social animals and we need one another it's part of what adds meaning to our life and without it life is much less rich. Mm, Absolutely. Now, Chase, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about? Uh, No, I'm, I'm, I love being, being guided by you over the last, you know, hour here. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm passionate about the work I've seen creativity unleashed in too many people, you know, through creative live, you know, tens of millions of people have tapped into their passions and are, you know, working on their daily practice. And I've just seen it transform too many people not to believe deeply in it. So I hope you'll you'll give it a, you know, if you're, what I find is most people, they already have some sort of a practice going on, just rejuvenate that and be aware in small daily ways, how creating those things that are right in front of you unlock the keys to creating the most important things in your life. Mm, Absolutely. Now, one last question before we go. I'm a massive believer in service and I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today. How can we serve you? Wow. I'm, I'm, I would be most grateful right now because the area that I'm focused on in life is spreading this, mission and vision for the world to pick up a copy of the book. And if it resonates with you, 
be an advocate for creativity. I think that's part of what changes hearts and minds is actually an overt acknowledgement of calling yourself a creator. And I've tried to, you know, I, if there's two arcs to life, the first arc is acquiring knowledge about yourself, knowledge about the world, wealth, safety. You know, the second part is about giving back. And I loved how you framed it as in service of, I see myself in service of, of these ideas because it's given me and a lot of people that I know an extraordinary, extraordinary time on this planet. Even in the face, it's not about avoiding the hard stuff in life. This is about, you know, having tools to navigate it and realizing that you're, you're not a cork in the tide, that you have the ability to, to create your life in the same way that you create dinner. So if you believe in these ideas, then spread them. I, I would, I would love to. I know your listener base is broad and, and deep. So share something with me if you got value from this podcast. Um, if you picked up the book, take a picture of it. To me, that's part of building the community around things that we care about. So just, it's been a treat to be on the show. I'm a fan from afar. But I don't know how many thousand miles we are from one another. I haven't measured, but just thanks so much for doing what you do and putting it out in the world and showing up. Uh, it's great to be on the show and to be uh, a part of your community. Thank you so much, Chase. It has been an absolute pleasure to hear your wisdom and to connect with you. And I'm so grateful for your time today and all of the knowledge and wisdom that you shared with us. And you've really inspired me to unlock more creativity within myself. And I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing in the world and for all the creativity you're spreading in all the different mediums that you do, your podcast and (laughs) books and photography and everything that you do. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing and for everything that you do. I'm, I'm deeply grateful. Awesome. Thank you, Melissa, for having me on the show. What an awesome conversation and a beautiful human being. He is just divine. I loved that chat and I truly feel so inspired to unlock more of my own creativity. So I'm definitely going to be implementing more creative play in my everyday life and I want to encourage you guys to do the same. So I got heaps from this episode, and if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could be the review of the week for next week. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I love reading them all. So please come and share what you learned from this episode with me. And for everything that Chase and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 237. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you again so much for being here every week, twice a week. I love and adore you and honor you. And I'm so grateful that you are here and so honored that you want to share this time with me and that I can help support you in whatever way that shows up for you. So thank you for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. 
Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.